Hi, this is your host, Nisa Harris, and you are listening to Shomea Ve'ona, Tehillim, and Other Hebrew Text Podcast, episode 165. The following is the recitation of Psalm 150, a.k.a. Perak or Mizmor Kuf Nun, a.k.a. the final Perak of Sefer Tehillim, Chazak Chazak Benit Chazek. After the recitation, stay tuned to hear more about this Mizmor. A quick addition, as Tehillim comes to a close, I wanted to invite listeners to share any thoughts about what you have gleaned thus far, but also please email me at nursenisa, the number one, at gmail.com, so that's N-U-R-S-E-N-I-S-A, the number one, at gmail.com, or join the Shomeyeva Ona Facebook group if you would like to hear any announcements of if or when in the distant future I decide to do a live Zoom. Thank you. Psalm 150. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. El Bikacho. Hallelujah. Birkia Uzo. Hallelujah. Big Vurotav. Hallelujah. Kirov Gudlo. Hallelujah. Teka Shofar Hallelujah Benevel Vichinor Hallelujah Bitof Umachol Hallelujah Beminim Beugav Hallelujah Betiltelay Shama Hallelujah, Betzil Tzalei, Teruah. Kol Haneshama, Tehalel Ya, Hallelujah. Psalm 150 is the final psalm in the book of Tehillim. So yasher koach to whoever has been learning and or reciting along with me over these past more than three years. This is also the final psalm in the Hallelujah series of Suke de Zimra. That would be one of the more important ones to say if you are short on time during the prayers. Some commentaries consider this psalm to be one that encompasses all of the potential praises of Hashem that there are from every element. Our sages also consider the 13 different times Hallel, or praise, is written here, equivalent to the 13 Midot HaRachamim, aka 13 attributes of Hashem's mercy. Rabbi Trump, as usual, helped me understand where we find these in our prayers and the background. The Ibn Ezra suggests that the narrator is directed towards the Levites in the Holy Temple, noting how many instruments the psalm discusses, and they would be um, the ones to carry those instruments. The Dat Mikra sees that it, it was a responsive psalm where the people would recite after the leader, singing their specific praise or using their specific instruments. The Talmud Yerushalmi says that the farmers would sing this as they brought their fruit to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. This is recited in Kiddush Levana, the prayer for the new moon, 
also in Musaf Rosh Hashanah. There is a tradition to repeat the last Pasuk, Kol HaNeshama Tehalelka Halaluka, twice when reciting the prayers, signifying the end of Tehillim and Pesuke Dezimra. That last Pasuk is interpreted a few different ways and worth delving into. It's typically translated as, let all the breaths or souls, etc. praise Hashem. Even Ezra suggests that if someone could not fully engage in praising Hashem, let their breath be the praise, and the soul, let my entire soul praise Hashem. I'm wondering if it's indicating that as a guide for the person, as in let them be inspired by the fact that they're even capable of breathing, or is it let Hashem consider their breath as praise in of itself? And the distinction is interesting to me because of a midrash that describes King David having a sort of congratulatory moment after completing this monumental achievement of bearing his emotional and physical soul while composing 150 psalms. In the midrash, David says, Has anyone ever said Shira song like I did? We can appreciate, after three years of learning to hill him together, the intense level of man's religious experience that David has shared with us. I may have even shed a few tears myself as this was coming to a close, taking in that feeling beyond the end of a cherished book. This was a connective, emotional, and spiritual guide that David has created for us. At first, when I was almost done... I was feeling pretty self-congratulatory myself, to be honest. So I would hardly be surprised for the creator of such a profound work to do so. However, the Midrash won't have such smugness and goes on to describe how a little frog came over and said to him, Don't be so smug. I say better songs than you do. I don't usually do this but I'm about to basically cut and paste a bunch of Rabbi Daniel Fridman's hour-long sheer on this subject here because so much of what he said resonates with me, and I wanted to share it with you all here and didn't feel like I could do it justice by, you know, taking the points. So bear with me. Okay, the point of the Midrash is that no matter how much praise we give, two things should be kept in mind. One, that we have never exhausted our avenue for shira, for singing, Never take the point of view that it's all been seen and done. Someone can have an experience that might seem trite to you, but is transformative to them, and we should never be dismissive of them. Everyone has the capacity, even if they are not David HaMelech, to offer Shira to the greatest extent of their ability. So we are never finished, and we never personally exhausted Shira, and we should never assume our key is the only way of singing it. By definition, it's a highly pluralistic kind of experience. That is what Shira really is. The author of the Orech HaSholchan, Rabbi Yechiel Mechel Epstein, says the Torah itself compares Torah study to singing which is at the end of the Torah and is a reference to Hazinu. But we understand that Moshe wrote the whole Torah. Why is Torah called a Shira, a song? Because Torah only reaches its full potential when you have all the different Jewish people participating. And like music, it's most beautiful when you have different people participating, hopefully with a good conductor, 
different voices and keys and pace and timing that is all part of the artistry and the choreography of it. And that is really what music is. And what makes music beautiful is when you have that kind of melodious cacophony that really enriches and brings all the different voices to bear. And he compares that to Torah learning and different perspectives, etc. So this isn't the end. It provides an enormous template for us for being able to move forward and having the language with which to praise Hashem. But we should never be dismissive of the frogs of the world either with their own language and way of doing it. And this is so important because there are Hasidim and there are many kinds of Jews, each with their own language and dialect. And within the very broad frame of halacha, it's very important to not let personal predilection bias us against appreciating the different ways of singing to Hashem. Even when David HaMelech for an instant thought that he had done and said it all better or more than anyone else, Chazal swoop in and say, not so fast. And that kind of spiritual humility can take us back to the beginning. Yafar Navim B'Shua, one of our indelible traits is humility and hopefully spiritual humility as well. None of us has a monopoly on the relationship with Hashem. Kol hallelujah. What we want to make room for and create is a community of where people feel comfortable finding their own voice. Someone who feels that they don't have to have what to offer in terms of shira, that is not only a personal tragedy, but that becomes a communal tragedy as well. And we shouldn't rest until it really is kol hallelujah that everybody can participate, whether they are the David Amalekhs of the world and the most mellifluous, articulate, and eloquent divine poets, or the people who may be on the spectrum closer to the frog. We should be appreciative and encouraging of their religious expression. There is something authentic about that, and that is a huge part of our mission, never to be spiritual egotists or narcissists. End quote. Okay. So that is the end of cutting and pasting his year. Hope you found that as inspiring as I did. So much to unpack there, but just to lead it back to my previous point that nothing is too simple for us to be considered praise and nothing is too simple to be considered praise to Hashem. I think having this mindset can help us feel into more joy on a regular basis. And that's why that's important. Just a quick plug for Rabbi Johnny Solomon, a really helpful online religious and spiritual advisor if you are in search for one. Thanks to him for this following quote by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, where he explains the distinction between happiness and joy. I think very fitting for our Psalms. The biblical word for happiness, ashray, is the first word of the book of Psalms and a key word of our daily prayers, as we've learned, right? But far more often, Tanakh speaks about simcha, joy, and they are different things. Happiness is something you can feel alone, but joy in Tanakh is something you share with others. Happiness is about a lifetime, but joy lives in the moment. Happiness tends to be a cool emotion, but joy makes you want to dance and sing. It's hard to feel happy in the midst of uncertainty, but you can still feel joy. 
In Judaism, joy is the supreme religious emotion, end quote. I think that about sums up what this psalm is aiming to convey, that joy that may not even be able to be expressed fully, that word ashray, happiness, that we started with at the beginning of psalms and are now expressing with music and dancing, having reached a place of intimate connection and understanding to the point where even in sorrow, we can find joy and sing praise. This may be the final psalm, but the goal is to convey that there is no end to the connection and potential for joy and the praise that can come with that. We are meant to have come through this process with the narrators of psalms, learning that we will have lows and setbacks, but so long as we are breathing, we have the potential to reach connection. And if we forget, we can always review the lessons learned here to remind us. In fact, that is actually partially what I will be doing for the next bit. Announcement warning. While there is much more I wish to do with this podcast, for the first time in over three years of not missing a week, Baruch Hashem, I have decided to take a pause and focus on other projects in my life at this time. With that, I say thank you for joining me in my journey thus far. I hope you have gleaned meaningful moments through his creation. Until I randomly post again, take care for now. And in this month of Adar, may we be able to increase our joy. May we all be able to either maintain or easily come back to meaningful connections. If even if after feeling numb and disconnected. May we be able to feel a general sense of joy and appreciation for all that we have in our lives, even when it's not the happiest of times. The learning and recitation for this week's Mizmor is in the merit that we continue to always feel Hashem's close presence in our lives and be able to praise and thank Him in whatever way is most appropriate for each of us. episode that you would like to sponsor or if you have any questions please email me at nurseNisa1 N-U-R-S-E-N-I-S-A the number one at gmail.com also don't forget to join the Facebook group to be aware of upcoming episodes please subscribe and share thank you for joining okay.